I really had to make a choice about what I saw in my future and how I wanted it to go. I could choose to stay here in India and continue building on something that had impacted me growing up and something that I thought could go and grow far, or I could go back to the States and live out the life that I always thought I would. Hi, I'm Nikki from Zara Talk. I'm the first exclusive Desi fashion podcast on Spotify. On this podcast, join me as I walk through the experience of moving from the U.S. to India. We discuss everything from my Desi fashion company to self-love and connecting with my culture. I would say everything started about six months ago. I was just graduating from college and still searching for a job. So I was actually looking to get hired long-term at a company that I had worked and had interned at before. And so I was all set to move and shift to New York. But the offer was taking its time. So I decided to go visit and stay with my mother who was living in India. So just as a background reference, my mother had begun her own clothing company in Desi fashion. So that was why she had shifted back to India. And remember that because we will come back to that later. But I, at this point, just wanted to have an extended vacation. I was there to reconnect with family and friends. I was there to reconnect with my culture and things that I hadn't seen in a long time while I continued on my job hunt. You know, One thing that I did when I was packing and preparing to go visit was that I really romanticized the idea of going back to my native land. And I, so I actually hadn't visited India in years. I think I last saw India when I was a small child. So when I did come this time around, there were so many things that had changed. Over a decade is a really long time for a country to develop and for landscapes to change and environment to change, and it really, really had. And I also think because I was an adult this time, things like social customs or different ways of going about life, I noticed a lot more. So I really began to struggle with different things. First was the very glaringly obvious language barrier. I never thought my linguistic skills were as bad as they actually were until I got here in India. I had spoken to my family members over the years, and I had still remembered my mother tongue, but I didn't realize just quite how many changes my family members would make when they spoke to me. Because they were used to my way of speaking, they spoke a lot slower And they were accustomed to me making mistakes and they were used to trying to correct my language and giving me pointers and tips. But when I got here, it was a whole different game. People spoke a lot quicker here and the colloquialism was something that I had never been introduced to. So when you can't speak a language or you can't get your thoughts out the right way, there's a sense of isolation that comes along. And then you feel like you can't quite grasp the conversations that are happening. And so it's really not the best feeling. 
I was, however, grateful for that period of time because I think that even as uncomfortable as it was, I really did develop some skills that I needed. And I was also very grateful for those around me who were trying to really help me out to become better at my mother tongue. And that was probably the biggest hurdle I ran into, but there were, of course, others. I think currency is a great example. When I was boarding the flight to India, one of the first things that I did look up was rupees to dollars conversion. So for anybody who's interested, it's a, about at 80 now. Um, and so I would, I was under the impression that I could just carry around my pocket calculator or I could use my the calculator on my phone and be able to just divide by 80 every time. And I would have a good reference of how much things cost. But what I realized was that it actually doesn't help. In general, the cost of everything in India is a lot lower than back in the States. So the cost of living, the price of items, your salary, all of those things are a lot lower. So it made day-to-day tasks very difficult for me. If I ever went out shopping or was trying to grab an auto or maybe I was trying to order food online, I didn't have a good reference of what was a good um, what was a good price, what was expensive, what was low. I didn't understand those things. And so that was just one of them, but like I mentioned there was a whole bunch of others as well. So I think the first 2 months that I was here, I was overwhelmed and I was just trying to adapt to the change. And so during that time, I spent a lot of, you know, time with my mother, speaking and learning about things. Before I had mentioned how my mother was starting her Daisy Fashion Company here. But I think anyone who knew my mother knew that she was meant to be in the fashion space. One time when I was 5 or 6, I had to dress up for a Halloween party at school. So my favorite Disney princess was Cinderella, and I was dead set on being her for Halloween. But when we went shopping, there was nothing that looked good enough, and everything was too itchy. It had too many sequins. It was just uncomfortable for me to wear. So my mother, she knew how important it was for me to dress up as Cinderella. And when I was at school the next day, she bought blue and white silky fabric and all of the detailing that she would need. And she stitched the Cinderella dress for me. I still remember it because it is to this day one of my favorite outfits. It was so comfortable. It was lightweight. She got everything right. And I felt like a real princess in it. And so she's always been my fashion superhero. She's still someone that I go to all the time to ask for fashion advice. She's still someone that I frequently have um, bring or I frequently bring shopping with me. She's someone that I still have pick out clothes and put outfits together through my wardrobe. Um, and when, you know, I got slightly older, I actually remember her setting up her own Daisy clothing business back in the States. And I remembered watching customers, they would go in and out. Everybody was always excited for her new apparel or for the collection that she had. 
and I remembered how hard she would work. My mother used to do prep before her clients came in. She would pick out clothes and put them to the side that she knew they would really like, maybe the style, maybe it would fit their color preference, and she would put them aside because she knew what they wanted. So I knew that with her really keen eye for fashion and for her and through her experience that if she was starting something new this time around that it was going to be pretty big. And so we started discussing her company and her vision for it. I think in theory it's pretty simple to understand. If you were to walk into a western retail store. So let's say something like Forever 21. How do you shop there? You go find a an article of clothing that you like, let's say a shirt, and you look through the sizes that they have. X small, small, medium, large, XL, double XL and so forth. And then you go ahead and pick the size that you think suits you the best. You'll go try it on. If it looks right, if it fits right, you go ahead and buy it. And most, I would say, retail stores in Western countries work the same way, where there's, you know, tens of hundreds of thousands of billions of clothes being manufactured through fast fashion or through manufacturers. And... um you know, when we go into a retail store, we go ahead and pick the one that suits us the best. However, Indian fashion, unlike maybe Western fashion, is harder to adapt to this method. And this is because a lot of Indian clothes rely heavily on the principle of customization to really look good. So for example, um, in Western clothes or in clothes that are supplied in Western countries, the sizes might be two, six, eight, and so forth. But these sizes vary from country to country. And so that's always an issue. But the real problem I would say would be that no one defines the length and the bust size. I mean, granted, those conversations are not necessary in Western clothing, but they are in Indian clothing. And so my mother noticed that this was a problem that she ran into time and time again. So it was whenever she, you know, was working with clients in her previous business, even if she set aside things that they would really like, the reality was that everybody had a slightly different shape, a slightly different build, a slightly different size. And so none of the clothings fit quite right. So I think another great example of this would be saris. So if, you know, you or your mother ever went looking for saris in India, particularly traditional South Indian saris, you'll notice that in India, they only sell them in one piece or in one one pieces. They don't make multiple of the fabrics. They don't make multiple of these textiles. And two only an extent can things like lingas or other Indo-Western wear be molded to Western standards because there still is the issue of length. For example, a person who's 5'2 and someone who's 5'8, a linga will not fit them the same. 
So even when you live in India, you have to be aware of these things when buying fabric or apparel. How and where can I get it tailored and altered to fit my needs and fit my size? But when you live abroad, like both my mother and I had, how could we even begin to get the same quality of clothing? And that too with the customization and the tailoring. We couldn't, and this wasn't even much of an option. So this was what my mother had explained to me. And so when I was thinking about her description of it, I realized that I had never run into this problem. Before my mother's business, I think it was because I used to do this thing where anytime I would need they see clothes for a party or for an event or for a festival, my family would reach out to somebody who lived in India and we would send them my measurements. My mother would take my measurements with the measuring tape and she would message it or email it or send it over to family and they would go ahead and do the shopping and then they would mail and package it to me. And if that didn't work, I would just wait till somebody from my family or someone who was a close family friend went abroad to India and I would give them my measurements and they would buy me clothes and they would bring it back with them when they came. I would say most Desi friends that I had, most Desi girls that I know, this is a common way growing up that we all got our clothes. But even during my mother's business, I realized that I still had issues. So even though I was right in the space of apparel, even though I had been getting access to and I had all of these options and, you know, clothes in front of me, these really interesting and nice desi fashion in front of me, I was still in a kind of iffy position because I didn't know what looked good on me. Whenever I think back to my experience trying to wear desi clothes as a child, I really remember struggling. And I think that's something important to speak about as well. Everyone is in a different place when it comes to their cultural identity. And there are so many ways to connect and identify with your culture. Some people grew up speaking their mother tongue fluently, and they can really understand it. Some people have lived in both places, both Western countries and their native land. Even when it comes to families, some people are really, really close, and some people are not. And all of these different things can impact one's identity. And so everybody's identity with their culture with their background, is different, and I respect it. But I will say that for anyone who was like me or was in my shoes, there was this level of, yes, I probably wouldn't be able to find things in my size. But does it even matter? Because I don't even know what I looked good in. I don't even know what looked good on me to begin with. They see attire for the most part for at least me growing up, wasn't considered the highlight of fashion. And even though I was surrounded by it at a portion of my childhood, it wasn't something I was taught to aspire to wear. 
So I think there was a significant part of my childhood where because I wasn't really growing up to be interested or taught to be interested in it, I didn't pay much attention or even when I tried, it just never looked right. It just never worked out. I think the idea is that when you're in kind of the awkward growing stage, when you're still learning and developing yourself as a person and slightly growing up, you tend to shy away from your culture. When you get older, that's when you think, that's when you realize, you know, I actually really wish I had learned my mother tongue. I really wish I had known more about this. I really wish I just had been more connected that maybe I knew how to wear a sari. And so that was something that I had discussed with my mother. And so with that conversation, I think we both realized that as important as different customization options were for people to get an outfit tailored to their size to make it look really um, nice and you know, for them, there was also something to be said about people who were in situations like me, where they couldn't figure out what they were supposed to wear and they couldn't figure out how to really pull off desi clothes. And I think that conversation is only more, you know, convoluted when you add in the factor of trying to keep up with trends and emerging styles in desi fashion. You know, I think a great example of this would be the color lavender. So lavender has been a color that's really in style in desi fashion lately. However, this is not a color that looks good on everyone. I certainly don't. So how can we work around that? Would there, is there some way possibly that if we added an outfit with just slight lavender embellishments and maybe a lavender dupatta, it would really suit someone's complexion? Or maybe a certain type of style would work better with the color lavender on someone's complexion up in daisy clothes, particularly one that works with the current trends. How can we have somebody who lets us know what are the trends? What are the styles? How do we enable people to connect with their culture through fashion? And so that's where the idea of a personal stylist or somebody who could help you shop according to both your tastes and latest fashion was created. I think that's where the collective effort was born for both my mother and I. So I think at this point, I was really, really taking in kind of the input um, that I that my mother was giving me. I was learning more about the process of textiles being made. I was learning more about fabrics. What are the different types of fabrics? What are the costs of fabrics? What types of fabrics is it easier to do detailing work on? And what type of fabrics are harder to do work on? What is the accessories that look good with specific outfits? What are the trends of colors and different pieces? How do I incorporate belts into my outfit? I was learning all of this information from my mother at this time because the same mistake that I had done when I was a lot younger, I didn't want to repeat this time around. But I was still planning on going back to the States. I wasn't interested in staying here in India and helping my mother out. And so even when I was learning all of this information about you know, my, my outfits, 
or about how to style for they see clothes or how to even wear they see clothes. It was only with the intention that when I went back to the States, I should have a good understanding, a good grasp of all of this content. Because I was still looking forward to going back to the States and living out the life that I thought I would, which was being in this Western country with the job that I thought I always wanted. I think one of the reasons that I was stuck so strongly onto the idea of going back was that I just didn't feel like I belonged here. At that point, I had been in India for a few months and I was still struggling with the language. I just struggled and struggled to adapt to the social customs. And I think that was a really, really big problem for me. The way that people talked here, the things they talked about, even the way they talked about them, the way of life. I mean, don't get me wrong. I really enjoy reconnecting with family, but I was extremely uncomfortable with everything. So another month passed like this where my mother and I would discuss more about her vision for Thara Business. I would, for the business, I would give my input. I would really explain why I thought personal styling was important. She would explain why she thought customization was important. And we would discuss different ways on how this could all happen. I think one of the strongest conversations that we had about it was the role of an online method of an e-commerce platform. How could that suit both of our needs? And I was getting less and less uncomfortable being here. And I was getting less and less uncomfortable with everything here in India. A few more weeks in, I got word from the company that I had originally decided to join. The one that I was really interested in, the one that I had interned with back in New York. And the conversation that I had with them basically made it clear that there was a job offering and a job posting that if I applied, it might work out. And this was the chance that I had been waiting for. But I wasn't so sure that that was what I wanted anymore. And at this point, I really had to make a choice about what I saw in my future and how I wanted it to go. I could choose to stay here in India and continue building on something that had impacted me growing up and something that I thought could go far and could grow far, or I could go back to the States and live out the life that I always thought I would. So I think I'm going to end it here for today, give you guys and give everybody something to look forward to for the next episode. But yes, this is the beginning of my story. I've been hoping that my podcast would be an audio diary of sorts. I hope to one day go back to the beginning episode of my podcast and see and hear where it all began. But I also wanted to create this podcast so that people who might have been or are still in the same position in terms of taking a decision about finding their identity through culture or through exploration would be able to relate. And lastly, if you are a Desi girl looking to know or learn more or just someone interested in fashion, do keep listening to my next episodes. Please subscribe to my podcast. 
Thara Talk. I'm on Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well. If you can check out my company's Instagram, Thara underscore fashion. So that's T-A-R-A-A underscore fashion. That would be great. I'd love feedback and would appreciate a rating and a review. And if you did like the episode, please do recommend to family and friends. Thank you.